Hello, a little intro before the intro. This episode is essentially a collection of bits I've recorded over the past few weeks that I've cobbled together. There's some stuff here that I wasn't sure I was going to include because I kind of flip-flop back and forward regarding what I claim to prefer when playing and um, I've decided to leave all that stuff in because, uh, well, I just like to show my working. There's also an unboxing in here somewhere and I speak a little bit about Dex, Arfed's game that he's designed. I want to speak more about that in a future episode. So uh, let's go. That was a human voice. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And make a part in about time too about not playing the NDE. It was free to all and I heard him say, he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable AMs. Hello and welcome to Keep Off the Borderlands. My name's Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and as they say across the pond, it's been a minute. Uh, just life doing its thing, really. Although uh, I've still been able to get a few games in, not been able to play quite as much old school essentials recently, but have been able to continue playing Call of Cthulhu the League of Eternal Guardians, and the Alluvial Plains. Those last two being games of Barney Dicker's devising. Barney Dicker of Logo Ludus, of course, having a lot of fun playtesting those. It does take a bit of juggling to get those games in, being run by Barney. Um, he's in Germany, which is an hour ahead of us. Meaning that those games start about 7 o'clock, which is when my daughter goes to bed. And because now we've got a second child, baby, in the mix. It probably couldn't be a worse time of the day for me to be trying to do something else. I was able to get in that game with Arlen Walker of Shadow of the Demon Lord. That funnel session, unfortunately, due to Andy Goodman's recent employment and having to move... The Call of Cthulhu games to the weekend, that's now clashing. So, um, yeah, I, at the moment, <laughs> I, I need a bit of rejigging to occur because I'm having more than I can do going on in one weekend and nothing happening the following weekend. So, uh, yeah. Although, having said that, this weekend... I am involved in a playtest half-ed, Darren Green. Uh, he's running a playtest of a game he's created called Dex, which is an RPG using a deck of cards, which is a style of play I've not experienced. And also, um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to play in that with Dave Aldridge, someone I haven't been able to play with for a while. 
and Menyon, also known as Rob, from Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. Now, I don't believe we've ever played in a game together, although I have been fortunate enough to be able to chat with him online. So, I'm, uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. But the OSC games, trouble is there, those sessions tend to run on three hours plus, which, um, yeah, is a little bit long for me. Um, And I have to say, I like the idea of the shorter online session. You know, two hours, two and a half, perhaps, any more than that, and I start struggling. I start getting a bit twitchy. I know Colin's spoken about this. There's also an interesting video on YouTube where Colin Spiper Green also is these days. I've been enjoying your videos there, Colin. Yeah, along with uh, watching Colin on YouTube, I, I came across a video on uh, the Dungeon Craft channel from uh, Professor Dungeon Master talking about playing online and why he prefers just straight up face-to-face, no, you know, virtual tabletops, none of that sort of stuff, just straight up video chat. And, um, yeah, I think, I think I agree with him because having the other stuff going on, using things like Roll20, um, there's a few games in which we use Roll20 and that's fine. It does change the nature of the game somewhat for me. Um, it makes things slightly board gaming, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And it's great if you're, you, you know, if you're playing a more sort of tactical game. It's great to know where everybody is from moment to moment. But they are a little less immersive, and I'll probably touch on that point again when responding to the messages I have. So with that ramble out of the way, let's get on to them. So first up, I've got a message from Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And this is a response to, uh, well, following a review of Verson that I did. Jason called in uh, suggesting a slightly different kind of game, sort of uh, 70s, disco, radioactive monster hunt type thing, which prompted a call from Dewey Barry Robinson. No, that's wrong. Uh, Barry Dewey Robinson, GM Shadow, from the Shadow of the GM podcast, suggesting that me and Jason should go ahead and create that game and put it out as part of Scene Quest 3. Hey, Spencer, Jason here. While I would consider co-piloting on a zine like we discussed, or giving ideas or or helping, I definitely don't want to profit off it. Uh, As long as I have a real job, I will not be... That sounds mean. As long as I have a daytime job that's not this, I don't want to profit off my hobby. I reserve the right to change my mind when I retire. So if you desire to do something like that down the road, let me know, and I'm happy to throw an assistant there. That was Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, and I think he was offering 
to collaborate with me on a project there. <laughs> I certainly I appreciate the offer, Jason. I've got no designs on doing anything like that in the uh, well anytime soon. Certainly not for profit. If I did put anything out, or you know, when I have done anything over on itch.io, it's just purely for my own amusement. But it's good to know you're there if I need you. Cheers. Uh, next up, I've got a message from Joe Richter of Hindsightless and Wheel of Woe fame. And he um, he's responding to something I was talking about in the previous episode. Uh, following watching a horror movie called Host, a pretty enjoyable horror film, which came out last year. And how certain elements of that were playing on my mind as I went to bed that evening. I always kind of thought this before, but now I'm convinced that you live in a big spooky manor house out on the Scottish moors, no one else around for miles. And it's just very goth and very spooky. And I love it. And that's pretty much all I need in my life right now. So thank you. (laughs) I'm just picturing you walking to the loo at night, wearing a long white dressing gown, carrying like a candle and a little dish. (laughs) And it's like a long, dark, spooky hallway with crazy shadows. And maybe there's a big portrait and maybe there's a suit of old armor or something. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it for me. (laughs) That's, that's my everything. There's Joe Richter there of hindsightless and we lo woe conjuring up evocative images of my wee willy winky as I tiptoe down the hall. You just can't help yourself, can you? Uh, Yeah, it's a pretty old house, what you'd call a Victorian villa. It's not quite as grand as you imagine, although we've got quite an impressive grandfather clock at the top of the stairs. No suits of armour, I'm afraid, or long hallways. But it does get a bit creaky at night. And um, a friend who helps us out when we're open, running as a B&B, swears that when she was cleaning one of the rooms, she was once tapped on the shoulder and she turned around and there was nobody there. Sadly, we're not out on the moors. We're in town, but it is quite a small town and it is surrounded by woodland, which is nice. The moors are not too far away, just north of us. And there are people living out that way, but I think that would just be a little too remote for me. I do require at least a hint of civilization, And I think I've found a happy medium here in Granton. But thanks very much for your call. I really enjoyed that. Well, it's been a while since I've done an unboxing. This is more of a debagging, really, I guess. I think I know what this is. Because I know that Edwin King received a copy of this just the other day. And yes, there it is. Casting the Runes, Occult Investigation in the World of M.R. James. 
by Paul St. John Macintosh. This is released by The Design Mechanic. And, um, yes, investigative horror game. Let's have a look at the back here. No writer better demonstrates how, at its best, the ghost story or supernatural horror story achieves its effects through the eloquence and skill of its prose. And I think no writer in the field has shown greater willingness to convey dread. By Ramsey Campbell on MR James. Um, Casting the Runes is a role-playing game based on the works of MR James, the father of the modern British ghost story, and uses the gumshoe system for investigative RPGs. The unique character of James's stories and his own personality inspire this game. Player characters, investigators, under the guidance of the game master, proceed step by step to unearth the unearthly, researching the uncanny, the sinister and the supernatural against the backdrop of Edwardian Britain. Adventures are based on the classic ghost stories replete with malevolence and terror, the glare of evil faces, the stony grin of unearthly malice, pursuing forms in darkness and long-drawn distant screams. Step back in time and into the shadowy world where demons are real, malevolent ghosts stalk the unwitting and urbane, educated sorcerers pursue hideous knowledge in their bid to cast the runes. Casting the runes is a complete role-playing game and needs only some six-sided dice, a few friends and a willingness to explore the shadowy corners of the Edwardian era. This book has everything else you need to create Edwardian investigators, learn about and compellingly convey the Edwardian period, structure occult investigations and present the supernatural. It includes two introductory scenarios, the Coptic lamp and the house with the brick kiln, so you can begin your investigations without delay. Nice large text, which is uh, yeah great for me. Quite sort of dense, but very clear. Two column layout, not a lot in the way of margins, um, so there's not a lot of wasted space. Nice line drawing illustrations in what looks like the bestiary. And um, yeah, apparently the um, the material describing the Edwardian era is supposed to be particularly well written. Um, so yeah, why did I pick this up? I picked this up after Barney Dicker of Loco Ludus interviewed um, Paul St. John Macintosh and um, really, really interesting interview. And... I was kind of sold on buying it, but just before I actually took the plunge, I saw um, a particularly 
glowing review by Pookie and I will um, put a link to that in the episode description. So uh, yeah, there we go. Casting the runes. It's Paul Sinjin Macintosh, isn't it? Sorry. Now I've got a couple of responses regarding the subject of immersion. And first up, I think we've got Daniel Norton of the Bandits Keep podcast. Hey Spencer, Daniel from Bandits Keep, calling in uh, about your latest episode. A couple things. I think I'm with you. Um, I haven't finished yet, so maybe you'll change your mind. But uh, on the immersion part, like I never seek out to feel like I am my character in full, you know, and forget that I'm playing a game. I actually, but I do want to get immersed in the way that I'm playing a game. I don't want to think about work or think about anything else going on. I'm just enjoying the game. So I definitely, I definitely like that. It's a, I guess, as you say, kind of a way of escapism. Insofar as conflict, I'm also with you. I, I like a little conflict and I actually find that inter-character conflict uh, is often really fun, especially if the players themselves know each other and and they know their friends you know so generally the people that I'm very friendly with I'm more likely to have conflict in character with because I know that they won't take it the wrong way thank you Daniel and um, yeah I pretty much agree with everything you said there certainly as far as conflict is concerned I wouldn't seek to create any conflict between me and a player that I hadn't already established an understanding a friendship with so, um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for calling in. Hey there, Spencer. It's John here from the Red Dice Diaries. I've just been listening to your episode 167, The Great Pretender. I thought you made some really interesting points about immersion. And without wishing to thumb myself into controversy corner, I've got to say that one of the things that always strikes me whenever I hear people saying about things that ruin their immersion is I often wonder how hard people fight for want of a better term to actually sort of stay immersed so i've got to admit for myself when i'm engaged with a game i will fight sort of tooth and nail figuratively speaking to keep that level of immersion and it would take something uh, quite substantial to actually bring me out of it and sort of disengage me from the game but a lot of examples i hear when people are saying about something breaking their immersion seem to be fairly minor things so a couple of examples i've heard from people when gaming mainly online were like someone's phone going in the background or some background noise on someone's video conferencing software and yet don't get me wrong, I'd probably ask if the person could mute themselves if I was the GM or something like that. But it wouldn't really sort of take me out of the game and disengage me completely. Now, as you rightly say in your episode, I never lose awareness that I'm playing a game or anything like that. And I think, well, if I can ignore the fact that I'm sat in a comfy chair in front of my computer in order that I engage with the game, can't I ignore these little minor inconveniences as well? I don't know. I don't really have any great answer for it. But I think much as we've eventually come around to the idea in role-playing that it's not entirely the GM's responsibility to create an enjoyable game, I also think part of the responsibility for remaining immersed and engaged is on the player. 
Anyway, enjoy the episode, dude. Take care, and I will catch you soon. John Allen Large there from Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast, and thank you very much for that message, John. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure about the terminology of uh, framing it as a kind of a fight for immersion. Uh, to me, that almost suggests that I'm engaged in the fight rather than engaged in the game. But but I know what you mean. And it had me wondering whether I actually mean immersion because that, that word sprang to mind that Andy Goodman coined over on uh, Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks, emergement, which, um, yeah, it got me thinking maybe... Maybe what I'm really talking about is engagement because I'm quite happy to engage in a bit of meta chat, even anachronistic asides and breaking character and just tangentially going off for a bit of a chat about something, you know, and we all have things going on in our lives. And I can certainly tolerate the odd disruption, whether it's, you know, a bit of momentary background noise or a, a alarm going off or whatever i know all too well about life getting in the way of things and as long as interruptions like that aren't sort of persistent then it's no real problem at all so yeah maybe what i'm really talking about is engagement and i must say i you know i do have my own struggles there as i referred to earlier on um if I'm playing online and the session the session goes on for like three hours or more, I do find myself flagging a little bit. When I sit down to play, I do want to just, you know, get on with the game. So I do prefer lighter games, I think, where I can just jump in and get on with it. The OSE sessions spring to mind simply because I'm aware that, you know, in a game like that, this planning going on within the party before we set off on what we're doing. And, um, you know, some people really enjoy that sort of shopping, purchasing the right resources, getting retainers and things like that. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with that kind of prep before setting off on an adventure. But I do find, um, possibly because my time is precious, I do like to get that stuff out of the way as quickly as possible. And I know that's not true for everyone who might be playing. So not really a, not a a criticism of that kind of play, more a comment on the amount of time I have available to play. And maybe a little bit more regarding immersion, engagement. And I have to say, I kind of lean towards actual role play, getting myself immersed in that. And perhaps without the visual aids, I'm possibly becoming more immersed in my attempts to conjure up the scene in my mind, I find that perhaps a little more immersive 
you know, imagining little details, perhaps smell or the, the weather. And maybe I'm not imagining the scene exactly as the GM is picturing it. But is that important? I mean, as long as you're not playing a game where uh, the, the combat has a strategic element that requires you to know exactly where you are in relation to everybody else. If that's a bit more freeform. But obviously, you know, that has its challenges as well. And you end up doing things like firing on an enemy without realising that your party members are in the firing line a little bit more than you imagined. I guess, you know, any play style throws up its own challenges, doesn't it? So I guess I'm not really expressing preferences there, just sort of reflecting on the differences of those approaches. And perhaps when things are left up entirely to your imagination, possibly, for me at any rate, those things might have a bit more impact you know, when uh, maybe recalling those sessions, perhaps. I don't know. I feel like I'm maybe not quite as convinced by my own evidence there. (laughs) So reflecting on what I was talking about just there. I think I understand why it started falling apart towards the end. And that was because what I believe I was trying to say was that I prefer games in which I am immersed, engaged with actual role play, being in character and, uh, you know, all the stuff that implies And the reason I wasn't coming straight out and saying that is because I don't actually think that's true. Having played the game that I mentioned earlier on in the episode, the the playtest of Arfed's Dex game, which are rules which use a deck of cards, numbered 1 to 20, rather than a d20, I really, really enjoyed that. I really um, engaged with the whole kind of deck management element of that. And it was a really, really enjoyable session. It was a pretty straightforward kind of uh, rescue. A lord's kidnapped wife, kidnapped by bandits. There were a couple of encounters along the way. Kind of straightforward stuff, but the intention was to test the mechanics of the game. And there was a particular encounter that was really, really immersive for me. Um, My character was stuck in the middle of a rope bridge over this gorge. Uh, Rob's character had carefully gone across the bridge to ensure that it was secure. I got halfway across with the intention of Day's character following once I'd got off the bridge because it was, you know, pretty rickety. Anyway, I'm in the middle of this bridge and we're suddenly attacked by these uh, large winged eyeballs that were kind of swooping down on me. 
And I had this real sort of Harryhausen moment, you know, where I'm, I'm kind of picturing me grasping hold of this rope bridge with one hand as the bridge swings back and forth and I'm terrorised by these uh, flying creatures. And yeah, it was just a really, a real impactful moment in my mind. And uh, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And engagement on that level brought to mind my thoughts about Sword and Scoundrel, which had some very kind of uh, granular tactical combat, focusing on every kind of cut and thrust. And that was done by managing dice pools, working out how much how many dice you wanted to spend on effort of each manoeuvre, whether that be attack or defence, and how engaging that was. So I guess, yeah, it's engaging with the the mechanics, the, the gaminess of the game, if you like. And that was also a lot of fun. So these things that I'd previously assumed would possibly get in the way of immersion increased engagement but on a different level it doesn't really matter which elements of the game you are engaging with it's it's that you find them engaging is what's important i spoke earlier there about osa that um i didn't quite enjoy the shopping and hiring retainers element of osa as much as getting on with the adventure because I'm aware that I don't want the game to run into three hours but I'm aware that the other players do like engaging in that shopping and hiring the retainers and all that and that's fine I'm happy for that to to occur obviously I just my personal preference is that I'd like to be a bit more hand wavy about that sort of stuff and I guess that's that's what it's all about, really, isn't it? Um, you engage with the bits that interest you and um, hand-wavy about the bits that don't. And that's, I think, why you have such a wide variety of games that focus on different elements that different players want to engage with. So, uh, basically, I enjoy games that I'm able to engage with at whatever level that might be, which I guess seems a little um, <laughs> kind of redundant pointing that out, I suppose. I do have preferences, and I've probably said this before. It's low prep. I'm not not into spending too long over, you know, building a character point by stuff or, you know, power gaming or any of that. I'm not too interested in filling out too much of a character background. It's hard to get excited about shopping for equipment and figuring out encumbrance and all that. Basically, you know, give me a character, give me some adventuring equipment and send me on my way. So whether it's tactical combat or getting immersed in role play, investigation, or just a bit of 
exploration, sandbox or railroad. It seems I'm up for anything. Well, that's about enough from me, I think. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off the Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as Free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.